So today's word comes from chapter 4 of Mark. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. Gospel of Mark chapter 4, 35 to 41. You can look along here on the screen in front of you or your apps or your Bibles. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Then disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet! Be still. Then the wind died down, and he was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You know, um, hopefully you're doing well in your quarantine life. Um, I've been bugging to get out, and I, I, I do go out when I can, when the weather's nice with the kids. But as I'm quarantined, I'm tempted, actually, these days to sleep a lot. Um, I think sleep is a glorious gift God gave us, and with it, we gain energy, power, and we heal from it. And without it, we actually lose our ability not only to live, but enjoy life. This is just a beautiful way of me saying how much I love sleep. I love sleep so much, actually, that I've never pulled an all-nighter all my life. All throughout high school and college, all my friends are staying all up all night to, to study for the exam next day. I just couldn't do it. And in fact, in my um, um, graduate school days, I actually built in my nap times throughout the week. Um, I've met people who think sleep is a waste of time and energy, but I actually beg to differ. And when I think about sleeping, especially taking naps, it gives me a warm, cozy feeling. In today's passage, Mark 4, we actually see that Jesus is enjoying his nap time. I don't know if he likes sleep as much as I do, but we do see an image of a sleeping Jesus, and we don't see this much throughout the Bible. Perhaps when the weather's nice, um, it's beautiful, and things are going well in our lives, a picture of sleeping Jesus seems so warm and cozy, so comforting, so cute. Jesus all snuggled up in his cloak blankie, and it's such a nice image, sleeping Jesus. But sleeping Jesus doesn't seem so nice when the weather is awful and things are going horribly wrong in our lives, like today. In fact, right before we started this live stream and we were practicing and figuring out the, our tech, technical difficulties, we heard the thunder loud and just rainstorm in the background. And I thought to myself, perfect for today's passage reading. An image of sleeping Jesus is actually offensive 
and insensitive when we are quarantined in our homes and work. We don't know when we're going to get out, whether things are going to actually be okay. We're trying to homeschool the kids and still get work done. We're, we're working at home and just bored out of our minds. And some of us, sleeping Jesus sounds just terrible, insulting, because we're losing our jobs, our financial stability. When we are sick and we are in fear of the worst, when our loved ones are actually sick and we imagine or even experience the worst that can happen. Sleeping Jesus, please wake him up right now and let him know how angry and frustrated and depressed we are. In today's passage, this is exactly how the disciples feel and react. Teacher, don't you care if we drown and die? Perhaps that's the PG version that we see in the Bible. I wonder what they would have said in the R-rated version. By the time we get to Mark chapter 4, what's actually going on is Jesus' popularity is growing. And everywhere he's going, crowds are gathering. And today we see Jesus actually on the boat, preaching to the crowds who have gathered on the shore, Sea of Galilee, which is actually a big lake, by the way. Thousands have gathered. He's preaching, he's teaching, and he's healing, and he gets tired. Day in and day out of all that he was doing, meeting the needs of those who were around him, Jesus was finally exhausted. But how can Jesus get tired? Isn't he God? But that's exactly the point Mark, the author, wants to make throughout his book. In fact, from chapter 1, Mark is set on a journey to show the world how God is fully human and fully divine. The divinity of God flowing out to us through his humanity. That is one of Mark's focus and emphasis throughout his book. Here, chapter 4, Mark reveals to us how human Jesus was and yet suddenly turns the corner to show us how holy and divine he also is. So let's get back to the tired Jesus. Fully human, just like us. Body drenched in sweat, muscles aching, head to toe, throbbing, and Jesus just needed some rest. And as the boat sailed off the shore, Jesus is too tired to even wave goodbye, and he goes straight to the stern, which is the back of the boat, and he finds a cushion, and he sleeps. And I love that, that detail in this passage. He finds a cushion somewhere, and he lays his head, and he sleeps on it. A nap so sweet that he doesn't even wake up at the sound of the, the, the water banging against the small little fishing boat that probably fit about 10 to 15 people at best. He didn't wake up at the panic of the man in the boat. Some of the disciples in the boat were fishermen. They knew about these sudden storms in Sea of Galilee, and they knew this region. They knew what to do in the middle of a storm, but this sudden windstorm was too powerful and too scary that even these fishermen did not know how to respond. So what did they do? 
they held on to their dear life and in fear and anxiety, they didn't know what to do. Isn't this how most of us feel right now? Anxiety, fear, panic, feeling like we're stuck, feeling so helpless against this windstorm of COVID-19, feeling like we're all drowning. To those of us who are empathizing with the disciples on that boat in the midst of that scary storm, I encourage you to think about these three hopeful reminders that bring us back to God. First is that sleeping Jesus is just like us. Sleeping Jesus is like us. He's human. He knows and feels and experiences the very things that we are feeling and experiencing. We have a God who is like us. God who knows and feels that what we go through. Jesus who was exhausted in Mark 4 from all the teaching, healing, and serving. And we see an image of Jesus who is just torn down and tired from meeting the needs of others. Just like us. Taking care of the spouse and kids and Students, employees, patients, and all these chores to do, and still being confined in our homes. We are tired and worn down, and Jesus knows what that's like. We should be thankful that Jesus is like us, that he knows our frustrations and pain. But does he really know? He's sleeping. He's taking a nap. So the disciples, even after seeing all those miracles, Firsthand questions Jesus' heart, his intention. They may not question his ability to restore or do miracles, but what they question here is how much Jesus cares about them. Look at their attitude when they approach Jesus sleeping. Teacher, don't you care that we are dying here? In his book, Letter to a Man in a Fire, a cancer survival. Reynolds Price responds to a letter from a young medical student named Jim who has developed a life-threatening cancer. In his letter to Reynolds Price, Jim writes, quote, I want to believe in a God who cares because I may meet him sooner than I had expected. I think I'm at a point where I can accept the existence of God, but I cannot believe that God cares about me. In his struggle with the raging storm of cancer, this young man, Jim, could have taken the words right out of the disciples' mouth and ours. Teacher, do you not care that we are dying? All the while, Jesus is asleep in the stern, untroubled by the storm. We've all been there. We've all been in this boat with Jesus before, doubting and questioning whether Jesus really cares about us. We've all approached Jesus angry at him, right? Frustrated at him. Our tone of voice and attitude towards him shows lack of thankfulness and lack of faithfulness and lack of trust. Rather, it shows our anxiety and fear and our desperate helplessness. Our questions and worries turn actually into accusation. Don't you care? There isn't a plea for help. There isn't a willingness to wrestle with the difficulties and chaos surrounding us. 
There perhaps even isn't an initial thought or actions about what we can do or how we can help, but rather in our anxiety and fear, we are busy accusing Jesus for what he is not doing, questioning his character and desire, doubting his calling and mission in this world. Let's not have our circumstances dictate who God is and define who God is. Let's not our circumstances dictate and define who God is. God is like us. He knows our worries. He knows our suffering. Second hopeful point is this, is that a sleeping Jesus is not only like us, but he is with us. Sleeping Jesus is with us. We have a God who at times seems distant from us, but the exact opposite is true. Our personal and communal circumstances often dictate to us who we think God is, but God is far beyond and bigger than that. Pastor David Roberts puts it this way. We are like the disciples. We want God to calm the wind and the seas. We want to shout at God, what's the matter with you? Don't you see we're suffering and dying? Wake up, God, sleeping when we need you the most. What is wrong with you? Like the disciples, we believe the power of God is in the ability to control things. We assume like the disciples that the miracle is in Jesus rebuking, calming the storm. But if you notice, Jesus only reluctantly uses his power here. He doesn't seem to want to do anything. He wants to keep sleeping. He goes so far as to rebuke his disciples for even asking for his help. He calls them faithless. This storm calming power isn't the only kind of power Jesus came to demonstrate. Rather, it's exact opposite type of power. The reason why Jesus came to us. We might not want to hear this, but this story isn't mainly about Jesus's ability to control the weather. He is bothered to perform the miracle and it is annoyed, it seems, that his disciples even asked. This is a story rather about how little we believe God to be with us in midst of an overwhelming storm. It's about how deep down maybe we don't really believe that God with us, Emmanuel, is enough. It's about how our primary desire is to just have a God who has power and is in control. I don't really think the miracle in the story is just about Jesus calming the storm and taking control. The miracle in the story is that Jesus was with the disciples in the boat, during the storm, throughout the storm, at the end of the storm. And that alone should be enough for us. God's power isn't in control of creation or imposing his will upon us. His power is in being covenant relationship with us. God's power is not solely in miraculous interventions, although he does, but he invites us to build the kingdom out of love, peace, and justice with him. God's power is not just in the destruction of what is bad in the world, but in empowering us to build something good in this world with him. Isn't this true power? 
instead of enforcing control and solutions onto the world all the time, God's power is revealed in coming alongside us, journeying with us, suffering with us, even staying with us in the boat throughout the storm. So the omnipotence of God, as Pastor David Roberts puts it, isn't about having all the power. That would turn God into a controlling, insecure narcissist. Rather, the omnipotence of God is in the sharing of power. God's power is in the act of becoming empty in becoming one of us. In simply getting in the boat with us, midst of the terrible storm, imagine if the disciples had been awestruck, not just that the winds and the sea had obeyed Jesus, but Jesus has stayed in the boat while the seas raged around us. Imagine what we would think like and act like if we were awestruck, not at the fact that God's going to come and just take away this virus, quarantine life, and all the troubles in this world, but that we would be awestruck also, perhaps more, by the fact that Jesus is with us right now in our boats. So he says, be still. Peace. And the storm stops. Dr. Craig Barnes puts it this way. Jesus doesn't prevent the storms. He rises in midst of the storms. And this leads us to our final third point. We have a God whom we can lean on and have faith in. Faith doesn't stop the storms. Faith makes us unafraid of the storms. Faith allows us to move forward onward in midst of the storms faith makes us think hard about what it means to follow after jesus christ faith makes us act wisely about what it means to sacrifice and love others especially those who are in need faith makes us pray even more fervently for others helping us to fight against our selfish desires only to be concerned with ourselves see faith pushes us to not buy out all the toilet papers. Faith nudges us to call our elderly neighbors and family members to see what we can provide for them. Faith makes us reach out to those who are sacrificing on our behalf and say thank you. Perhaps even provide a meal, a thank you note, a mass, donation, a prayer. We will get to the other side, as the disciples did. Because the Savior is in our boat. We just won't do it alone. We will do it with God's provision and help. And we will participate in God's care and love for those who are in need. The storm will not stop us. It will slow us down. It will throw us into the waves. It will instill fear and anxiety into our lives. It may even endanger us or our loved ones. But with God on our side, in our boats, We will get through this storm. He is like us. He is with us. And we have faith in such amazing God. At this time, New Mercy, I want to invite us to pray together. Whichever way the Holy Spirit moved you through this word that came from Mark chapter 4. I hope that you find hope and you find courage and you find trust that you find faith in the fact that God is with us and for us. Let us pray.